This is day nine in the reading of The Miracle of the Christmas Child by Penelope J. Stokes. Fatherhood. Joseph bent over his workbench and planed the fragrant cedar plank until it was just as smooth as the stones along the riverbank. There could be no jagged edges, no splinters in this wood. It was to become a crib created by his own work-roughened hands, a baby bed for his baby, his son. Joseph missed Mary terribly, but in many ways these months apart had been a good thing. It had given him time to think, to plan, time to sand off his own rough edges of emotion, time to resolve the questions, to discover what was truly in his heart. What had he discovered? at his deepest core, was love. Love for Mary, the woman to whom he had pledged himself, heart and soul, mind and strength. Love for the child that grew in her womb. Love for the life they would build together. It would have been easy for him to submit out of a sense of duty to marry her in order to shield her from the scandal and disgrace and to protect himself from the shame and dishonor of breaking the vows he had made to God and to his beloved. He had acquiesced to the angel's command, but half expected to resent his compliance, to feel trapped, unwillingly resigned to a situation over which he had no control. Now, miraculously, everything had changed. Once the obedience was accomplished... Once he had chosen to believe Mary's story and respond to the angel's direction, another emotion took hold. Not resentment, but acceptance. Not resignation, but liberation. Rather than being trapped, Joseph found himself free. Free to love Mary more than he had ever loved her before. Free to marry her and equally free to resist his desire for her and not touch her until the child was born. Free, most importantly, to love and care for that baby as his own. And the boy was, in Joseph's mind, his son. Not the offspring of his body, of course, but the son of his heart, the child of his soul. In pensive moments, Joseph thought about the unborn infant as Jesus ben Joseph. And the idea caused him to swell with pride. The pride of a father for his firstborn the pride of a man whose life has been fulfilled in a family of his own. A smile tugged at the corners of Joseph's mouth. They would have a good life, he and Mary and Jesus, and whatever sons and daughters might come afterward. A life filled with simple pleasures and uncomplicated joys. In his confusion and despair over Mary's announcement, Joseph hadn't realized at first that this was the answer to all of his prayers and dreams and hopes for his life. Not exactly in the form he had expected, he had to admit, but he could not, would not, deny the truth. God, after all, often answered prayers in unanticipated ways. This, he now understood, was the answer to his unspoken longing for meaning and significance in his life. For what could be more significant than becoming a father? What was more important than the opportunity to direct the life of a child, to train him in the ways of the Almighty, to help him grow toward the fulfillment of his own destiny? 
and this child, he knew, had an important destiny to fill. Joseph wasn't exactly certain what it all meant, that the infant in Mary's womb was the chosen one, the long-awaited Messiah. If you gathered a dozen Jews together, you would have a dozen opinions of what kind of mission the Messiah would have. Some thought he would stand as a mighty warrior and do battle against the great armies of Rome. Some believed he would rise up as a political leader to challenge oppression. Others looked for a prophet, a teacher, the greatest rabbi Israel had ever known. A few held to the belief that he would give himself to the downtrodden, feeding the hungry, healing the sick, working miracles to demonstrate his origins in God. But all held one opinion in common, that when he came, the whole world would see and know and believe. Joseph wasn't so sure. He had begun to wonder if the Almighty might have something else in mind altogether, some kind of mission that might depend in part upon his own influence and Mary's, in what kind of person this child would turn out to be. Joseph looked down at his hands, large, powerful hands, padded with calluses, arms rig, rigid and taut, lean muscles. He inhaled the fresh scent of the wood, and his eyes drifted to the frame, already completed for the baby's crib. It would be a fine piece of work, carved at head and foot with a gentle curve underneath so that Mary could rock the child to sleep. Padded and lined with sheepskin, bleached white in the Judean sun, his masterpiece of carpentry designed to soothe and comfort the tiny masterpiece of creation. Joseph loved being a carpenter, a builder of things designed to endure. Stout tables and rugged chairs, milking stools and plows and yokes for the gentle oxen, water troughs and mangers, wooden trenches to carry fresh-baked bread and ripened fruit, doors to hold in the warmth of a fire, and gates to keep wolves out of the sheepfolds. All these skills and more he would pass on to his son. Joseph could imagine the two of them standing together at this very bench as he taught those tender hands how to use the adzer and the miter and the plane. In his mind's eye, he saw the dark curly head bending intently over a plank, little brown feet planted firmly on the ground in an attitude of determination. He could envision the boy growing into a man, tall and strong, with sensitive, compassionate eyes and shoulders broad enough to carry the weight of the world. He could see those massive arms stretched out to measure the length of a beam. He could even, if he turned his ear to listen into the future, hear the echo of a hammer striking nails. It was a profound calling, fatherhood, an occupation that demanded a lifetime of commitment, a job that humbled and awed him and presented him with the greatest challenge he could ever face. But the more he thought about it, the more he realized that it was a vocation that he had waited for all his life. Joseph fitted the cedar plank in place and nailed it to the bottom of the crib then stepped back to survey his handiwork. It was a fine crib, sturdy and strong, and marked by the tough by the touch 
of a master's hand, a bed worthy of a carpenter's son, destined to follow his father's footsteps and be about his father's business. I will teach you everything I know, my son, he murmured, and you will make me proud. Joseph smiled to himself, and he stroked the satiny wood with a gentle touch. Yes, his son would grow up to be like him, a man who understood the importance of building something that lasts, a man whose life could be measured by the strength of a beam rising to the sky and the power of nails holding the universe in place.